we use the word puzzles in the organization rather than challenges because puzzles are meant to be solved. And so we, you know, we try to find ways to work together to, to solve that puzzle. Welcome to the Culture Builders podcast. We interview people leaders about how they're building a culture that fosters employee growth. I'm your host, Cassie Ait, the founder and CEO here at Hopier. Today, I've got Kira Torco, who's the VP of Employee Experience at Ascent Compliance. Kira, welcome to the show. Thanks. It's great to be here, Cassie. And why don't you start by telling our listeners a little bit about yourself? You know, it's um, you know maybe I'll kind of start with the with the present and then and then kind of work backwards. So I'm currently uh, the VP of Employee Experience at Ascent Compliance, uh, which is a pretty fast growing software company here in here in Ottawa. And you know, it's interesting. You know, I lead the employee experience team, which is what we term HR. Um, and it's interesting because I didn't come from an HR background. You know, I came from um, a history of leading people and, uh, you know, leading operations, you know, in, in a number of different ways. But, you know, the CEO and I you know, really, you know, um, really believe that the role of, a, of an HR leader is to look at business problems through the lens of people. And so I'm able to bring, you know, many years of business experience, whether it be in national sport, in research, or in uh, or in software or in you know in in other areas to you know to the challenges and the puzzles that we have at hand. So, I am a fervent believer in the power of people and uh, and the important role that their development plays in in companies' growth. So, I'm also a, a huge sports fan. So you know you may hear a bit today, Cassie. I may I may drive that through a number of our conversations today. And how did you get into leading people before being at Ascent? You know, that's an interesting question because you, you had framed that to me a little bit beforehand. And I was thinking first about personally. And so maybe this is my sport, my first sport reference for today, Cassie, is that I do think sport provides really authentic opportunities for people and, and kids to lead. So I was really lucky as a child and a teenager to have great coaches across a number of um, a number of sports who had the who had who really had the foresight to see that the power that sport had to develop so many different life skills around resilience and managing emotions and and self-awareness. Um, so I think that's where I first got it got a you know, got a taste for for leading people. Um, and then I think in a, from a professional context, you know, I am a, I'm a big believer in the, I think it's a, a you know, a Greek, a Greek philosopher who said that luck is what happens when preparation meets opportunities. Um, so I do believe you need to put yourself out there to be in positions to have this luck. So um, when I, after I graduated from university and had a few different, you know, starts and stops, I ended up joining one of the big banks training programs. This was probably in the, in the mid nineties. So dating myself a, li a little bit here. Um, and I was doing this management training program where they put you in different roles and, and functions across the bank. And it just so happens that I had, I had graduated with a business degree and had taken the Canadian securities course. And at that time, there weren't a lot of people in banking who had this background. 
And, uh, and one day, a, a branch manager in the city I was living in, Victoria at the time, had, uh, you know, for, had to leave the office for, for illness. And they had put a new, in place a new practice where you had to have the Canadian Securities course in order to be a branch manager. And I was the only person in the city, not already a branch manager, that uh, could take this role. So I was probably 22 years old and was managing a bank branch. And so I, you know, quickly realized, I think at that time, that leadership wasn't about knowing all the technical elements of opening a branch and managing. Of course, you had to do those things, but um, it was really about the people and about making sure that they felt valued and well-led. And you talked about coaching a little bit, and I know that went full circle because before I sent, you were the COO at the Coaching Association of Canada. How, mm-hmm. you know, how did that opportunity come about and what is it about coaching that, that you're really passionate about? And maybe it'd be interesting to see how you think the coaching elements and, you know, in, in sport might uh, translate to people and leading people in organizations. Oh, that's a that's a great question. So I um, right before I worked in uh, in national sport at the coaching association, I was working at the National Research Council of Canada, and um, you know I was a what they term a director general. So I led a big group of of researchers, and I was very passionate about the role that that research plays. But I knew I needed to, to take the next step in my career, and uh, we had done some work at the NRC with um, with Olympic sport programs. Which which is super cool and being able to identify, you know, using the wind tunnels to see, you know, what sort of equipment or um, uniforms our Canadian athletes should wear to, you know, to have the best success at Olympic games. And so when an opportunity came about at one of the, you know, big national sport organizations, um, you know, in a leadership capacity, I, you know, I, I put my name forward unexpectedly and that role didn't pan out, but um, the people who'd been interviewing for me kept their eye out because they had thought that the passion I brought to sport was something and the business expertise was something they wanted to see. And when something came open at the coaching association, they phoned me and asked me to put my name forward. And it was such a good blend of, you know, of leadership opportunity um, combined with the ability to have the impact on so many kids. So, and so many athletes across the country. So they support hundreds of thousands of coaches annually across 70 or maybe 67 national sports. And so for me, you know, the, the power of sport, you know, is that, you know, it's interesting. I, I teach courses in, in coaching and have for some time, Cassie. And I always ask this question at the very beginning to people who are in the course to tell me about the best coach you ever had. And maybe 2% of the time people talk about, oh, they taught me how to have a better stroke, or they taught me about, you know, how to better ball placement. They always talk about their ability to inspire, their ability to get them to become more confident. Um, they talk about, you know, how they derived a sense of team um, and how they led a team. And so I think everyone has a great coach story and it's not about the technical aspects. It's really about how that helped them become a better leader and a better human, a better human being. And I think that's what excited me. And that's why I spent three years um, really helping to drive that coach system in Canada to be able to have that impact. And so what, what drives you to be, and maybe you alluded to some of the points, but do you find that those is, is that what continues to drive you now that, you know, you're working in an organization where, 
you know, the, the product is very different, right? Ascent mm-hmm. sells compliance software <laughs> and, and yeah. it, it's very different, right? So what drives you to do what you do now? You know, and I think I talked a little bit before about, you know, being able to solve business problems through the lens of of people and really being able to optimize the, um, you know, people's performance at both an individual and uh, and team level. And, you know, the CEO at um, at Ascent and myself are incredibly aligned in uh, in that thinking. And that was really, that was really important to me. because you know, I can bring all of these great ideas about how do we use how do we use skills and tactics and activities from from other sectors and other ways of doing things to a fast growing software company. Um, but if they aren't, if no one's going to be receptive to that, um, you know, then that wasn't going to be exciting to me. And so I do think the receptivity and the interest to be able to leverage those that skill set to drive performance um, and to have people realize and see success um, was 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 very rewarding and that you know that you can see in compliance you can see in you know many other many other sectors i think it transcends many different many different ways and areas and just to give people uh, an idea for scale how many people work at ascent today we have 550 ascentees, is, is what we call ourselves, in offices in Canada, the U.S., uh, Europe, Asia, and in Africa. Okay. And how about two years ago? Two years ago. So I joined two years ago, um, and I was employee 300. So we've okay. almost doubled in size uh, in that time period. In that time period, I think there was a point in time, Cassie, where I hired a person every seven hours for about a one wow. year time period. <laughs> that is quite <laughs> not, and sorry, not, not myself personally, my, my team and my colleagues at Ascent. Um, you know, so that was, you know, that, that growth is something wow. pretty special to be a part of. That's incredible. So what, can you describe the culture at Ascent? Because I think, you know, it, that's, it's fascinating to see. Mm-hmm. And I think it's, it's especially hard to, to ensure that, uh, you know, that culture remains when a company is growing that fast. Yeah, you're, you're really right. You know, it's, you know, you're, you were successful when you started because you were entrepreneurial and, uh, and you put yourself out there, but at the same time, you need to come to terms, you know, that we're, we now have more than 500 people globally that require practices, process, and discipline, which, which aren't always, um, which can sometimes be at odds with the entrepreneurial way of, of thinking, you know, but if you can be creative, you can find a way for those things to be working together. And I think that's really what we've, we've tried to do. You know, if I think about our culture, I can kind of bring it to three key areas. You know, one would be around care, you know, respect for yourself, respect for others. You know, are you self-aware, you know, do you see opportunities? And one of the big pieces of care that's important to us is that, you know, without going into great detail on our product, you know, our product supports um, supply customers in managing data across their supply chain. And one of the things that we do is we help support those customers in driving sustainability and corporate social responsibility across the supply chain. So making sure that their supply chain is, you know, we we have information on, you know, the human trafficking and anti-bribery and anti-corruption, making sure that they've got a good visibility to the, you know, the health of that supply chain and that those elements aren't, uh, aren't there. And so I think the care for, you know, a lot of people come to Ascent because they're driven by how we work with companies to support that CSR. So that care piece, 
Two, I guess I would say the growth mindset. Um, you know, we're constantly changing, so we need to make sure we're looking at things from different angles. And I think you always need to have a growth mindset, whether you're growing at 50% a year or whether you're growing at five or 10%, because even if your company isn't changing and growing, everything around you is. Um, so you've constantly got to be doing that. Um, and then a word that we use a lot at Ascent is curiosity. Um, are we asking great questions? Are we seeking to understand? Do we really think that everybody has the ability to be a teacher? And so I, you know, I, I talk a lot about that is that there's always something you can learn from everybody else in the company. And I do think those sort of three fundamental pieces, um, you know, stay with the culture as you grow and change, but maybe how you think about them or how they get enacted may, may be a little bit different. So it's interesting because I think growth and curiosity are two, two of the core values that I see companies talk about a lot. Is there any advice and, and that they they look for and they're trying to create any advice you can give to other leaders that want to recreate and uh, and foster and how you based on how you're developing people to to have those skills yeah you know it's a, it's a, it's a good question and when i ask myself and we are constantly reevaluating you know and i think you know, I, I always use the phrase, you know, you can't be what you can't see. Um, so we have to, you have to hold your leadership and your management teams to the highest regards it, with respect to what does culture actually mean in behaviors? You know, because it's one thing to have posters on the wall that say, you know, that say one thing, but I think people really need to see it in decision-making, in practices, in leadership behaviors. It needs to be rewarded in whether it be performance reviews or ongoing recognition. So you really have to embed it into business practices. Um, it can't, you know, it can't be something that's led solely by the HR team. It needs to be something that permeates leadership conversations. So if we're talking about a new business direction, um, you know, I need to think about, okay, how do, how do I make sure the leadership team is being curious about thinking about this new opportunity? How do we give the team members an opportunity to be curious about it? So it's making sure that those elements infiltrate other aspects of business in the organization. Um, you know, that doesn't, you know, we are policy light in our organization, so I tend not to drive things through policy. Of course, we have policy where we need it, but making sure that people understand boundaries within which they can operate and still have that growth mindset and still be curious. And how do you think about professional development? Do you have a professional development program at Ascent? Yeah, you know, I'm fortunate, you know, as I, you know, I, I, I talked a little bit before about my role at, at the coaching association. And one thing people may not know is the coaching association of Canada is actually Canada's largest adult education training program. So it trains more adults every year than any other organization in Canada, you know, universities uh, included. And so I'm very passionate about, about learning and development. So I, um, at Ascent, own the learning and development team. They're, they're part of my team, as well as we own the customer learning and development. So our product training, because I think, you know, the, you know, understanding how adults learn and understanding, you know, adult learning pedagogy is so crucial to, to being successful. And so we, you know, 
we believe it's it's not one size fits all around professional de- development. It's really a blend of, you know, yes, there are tactical things and tasks you need to know for your job. Um, but there's also a lot of things that you're going to learn differently than, than other people. Um, so a couple of things we do specifically. So we do have devoted uh, professional development days for everybody in the organization with the freedom and flexibility to use this time as makes sense for people's own development. Um, we do, we've recently launched, um, a more comprehensive development planning um, practices for the organization. And you can see a bit of my influence here that we've created a coaching toolkit for managers to help people develop these, their own personal development plans, which helps identify where they want to be and what skills they need to get there. So, you know, we do do the, you know, the onboarding, um, you know, in a, in a consistent way across the organization. And one of the pieces of our onboarding that I really do like is that three months in, all new Ascentees get to spend probably about half a day with the full leadership team um, so that they can take what they've learned over the last three months and be able to really understand what each of the teams and departments does. Um, Because if you do that really early on, people don't have the right context to be able to understand why what teams are doing is meaningful. So, you know, we've got all the tools. We've got our learning management system and I've got trainers on staff. Um, but we do, we do engage people in a much more self-directed way after, the, after kind of their initial onboarding is done. I saw in another interview that you did that you had a <laughs> coffee with the CEO program. Is yeah, that right? We do. And we also have a walk with the CFO program. So um, every individual at Ascent gets an opportunity to spend 15 or 20 minutes with the CEO, um, you know, usually within their first three or four months. Again, doing it really early on when people are trying to absorb information. And as I mentioned, everyone learns in such different ways. We need to give them those opportunities to learn it. And it, it might happen a bit slower for, for someone than, than somebody else. So three months in, you'll spend time with the CEO. And then you can also do a walk with the CFO um, to understand his perspective. And, you know, we have a gentleman who works with us, a gentleman by the name of Russell Frederick, who is our CFO. And he's the most emotionally intelligent CFO I've ever worked with or, or engaged with. So the conversations usually aren't much about the company at all as they are about um, you know his experiences your experiences and you know how how we might be able to better work together so it sounds like you and your leadership team have an incredible relationship of mutual understanding and alignment what kind of advice can you give to other people leaders in HR that are looking for a way to make sure that they have this kind of alignment? Because I think to even get a CEO to buy into coffee with the CEO, (laughs) where you have 500 employees and you're hiring one new employee every seven hours. (laughs) Not not today, but but there certainly was the case, Cassie, yes. That's a lot of coffees, right? So (laughs) it's a lot of coffee. What can can other HR leaders do (laughs) to make sure that they're aligned with their entire leadership team? You know, and it, it, you know, I, I may I may be repeating myself a bit here, Cassie, but you know, it's making sure that culture and people are part of many conversations. That it's not, you know, I don't, you know, at the end of a meeting, I don't raise my hand and say, "Oh, let's talk about people." You know, I make sure that it's part. You know, it's really part of the conversations. You know, I'm very fortunate in that. 
I don't need to do a lot of influencing and selling inside the organization to have the leadership team, you know, believe that that culture and people and how we engage with them is important. That's not to say it's not always smooth. You know, you're, you're hearing the, the highlights of it, of it today, Cassie. Um, you know, we certainly do have, you know, we do have some puzzles, you know, but I also think, you know, even just, you know, we use the word puzzles in the organization rather than challenges because puzzles are meant to be solved. Um, and so we, you know, we try to find ways to work together to, to, sol to solve that puzzle. One of the things I do also talk about regularly is that if we don't pay attention to this, we're going to have a default culture, um, which is going to really show up as us versus them. It's, you know, it's going to show up as, you know, superficial conversations. Um, so I do sometimes talk about the impacts of us not having this focus in the company. Um, and I do find that that can be impactful as well. I love, I love that concept of the default culture. What do you mean by default culture? You know, this is something that I, you know, I don't know if this is out in, in the public. This is just something that I think about, Cassie. I think about if we are purposeful and intentional about driving the behaviors that we want, you know, people are going to be driving their own individual agendas because they're not going to see the collective impact or the collective vision that, that we're trying to achieve. So I think that means people think more about what do I need to do, which makes the, which makes the us versus them. You know, I think it means that if we're not willing to demonstrate great conversations and open collaboration, then people aren't going to think that that's the norm. And so they're going to default to being more independent. So I guess that's what I, I think more about is that people will default to be more individual than to be more collective and growing towards a shared vision. So we'll move on to the, the uh, quick fire round. So I'm, I'm going to ask you five quick questions. Okay. Just say the first thing that comes off the top of your head, and then okay. I'll move on to the next question. So <laughs> okay. what is your favorite culture-related resource, Kira? Right now, I'm reading a lot of Cy Wakeman. Uh, her theme is about reality-based leadership. And it's about, um, you know, one of the things she talks about is ditching the drama in the workplace. And so I'm really compelled with reading that right now. Great. Cy Wakeman is awesome. Mm -hmm. Which people leader would you most like to take for lunch? I'm going to pick two, which is a bit cheating, but I'm going to pick John Wooden. For those of you who don't know, a famous basketball coach. And I'm going to pick another basketball coach, which would be Nick Nurse, the head coach of the Toronto Raptors. Single piece of advice you would give to new people leaders. You likely got to where you were because you were very technically good at your job. So make sure you leave time to actually be a people leader, not just not trying to be a people leader and a technical leader all at the same time. Favorite team building activity? I love learning opportunities. So at the end of every team meeting that I have with my team, someone teaches us something new. So the last couple have been, um, we've learned about how to do yo-yo tricks. Um, what equestrian can teach you about being a great leader. Uh, we learned about ergonomics. So every team member has to do it. So it teaches you to be a good teacher. It teaches you to, um, it, it, you learn something new about your colleagues and you also learn something, just something new and fun. And Kira, what do you do when you're not leading people? 
I have a wonderful family. Um, and so I have, I have two boys, an 11 year old and a 13 year old who, uh, you know, I'm trying to, you know, help raise to be, you know, to be great people. Um, and our family does a lot of sport together. We, and, and my husband uh, is in high tech as well, also with an Ottawa based software company. Um, so when we come home, you know, we do tend to not talk a lot about work, but we take our kids out to play basketball and, and mountain biking and, uh, and enjoy sport and what Ottawa has to offer. Well, Kira, thank you so much for joining us on the Culture Builders podcast. Is there a way for our listeners to follow you and uh, learn more from you? You know, I'm not always as great with social media, I think, as my team um, members would like me to be, um, you know, but certainly connect with me on LinkedIn. It's probably where I post uh, the most stuff. And if I get a few more followers who are interested in that, I'll do my best to up my content game. Thanks for much, so much for being on the show. Great. Thanks, Cassie. And that was the Culture Builders Podcast. To find out more about Hopier and how we help people leaders build a culture of growth and recognition, visit hopier.com. And then make sure to check out Culture Builders in Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or anywhere else podcasts are found. And make sure to subscribe so you don't miss any future episodes. On behalf of the team here at Hopier, thanks for listening.